Live from Dancing Zorbas, this is Derailed Trains of Thoughts. Welcome to 138 of Derailed Trains of Thoughts, your premier podcast on storytelling. For the creator and the consumer. My name is Timothy Deal. My name is Nick Hayden. And we are coming to you tonight from a very lively restaurant. This is the second week in a row or second podcast in a row we've come from a restaurant. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's weird. It is weird. I'm, I, it's feeding us well, I guess. It is. That's true, as the kids say nowadays. Janelle, I'm sure, would be jealous that she that she wasn't here. She didn't come along with us this time. Although I just happened to run into someone at the next table over here. Uh, this is my uh, baby sister, Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Oh, hi, Timothy. Wow, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Our podcast just casts us to all these really interesting places, but uh, every now and then we run into someone. So uh, what? What? how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. I just wanted to get some more Mediterranean food. Just got back from Lebanon, so this is a great place. Nice. For uh, those of you who don't know, yes, Danielle is my baby sister. We are exactly 12 years apart. Um, and we, our podcast actually owes you a, a thanks, Danielle. I was remembering uh, today that you gave me our current microphones for my birthday a couple years ago. Oh, wow. Those are the microphones? Cool. Yeah, <laughs> restaurants look at us kind of weird when we come in with microphones and laptops. We push all the plates out of the way and take off all the you know and just set up. Yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah. And the podcast gives us this like quiet bubble to record in, so you can't hear any other restaurant noise. There's there's some there's some crazy there's some music and dancing going on. So yeah, yeah. Sorry, you folks are missing it. But anyway, so Danielle, what are you up to these days? Wow, what am I up to? Teaching and doing taxes is what it feels like. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're a professor of economics or something at Grace College? Professor of accounting. So I'm teaching a tax class. Accounting. Yes, that's that's more accurate. It's the right time for teaching tax classes, right? Sure is. <laughs> so you, you probably got your students hard at work and volunteering to do other people's taxes, I guess. Yep, yep. Well, see, that all the high schoolers are always like, we had to learn algebra too, but we never learned how to do our taxes. Well, go to Grace and you can. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Uh, I guess that makes you perfect for today's discussion um, about money and no, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 see if it fits or not. Probably not. well, it fits in a certain way. Um, but let's first uh, let's move on into story school. It is fitting that you're here, Danielle, because today we're going to be talking about romantic comedies. This has been on our potential topic list for a long time. Like eight years? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Something. I don't really know. It's it's one of those topics that's been there a long time because we knew we would need to have someone on here who really, let's just say a lady, who uh, who knows romantic comedies better than a couple of guys ever would. So you happen to be a girl, correct? My sister, Danielle. <laughs> Hopefully this is not a sexist thing, but I think it's accurate. I mean, I think traditionally, yeah, that I mean, I enjoy my romantic comedies, but I don't have a good lot of them are like I watch them, I enjoy them, then I forget about them. Like I don't think about them, I don't go out purposely finding them. You don't go quoting them to all your not uh, normally. It's all you your no. grow up on them hours and hours and hours of <laughs> movies and shows. <laughs> not this genre, and I guess. <laughs> Okay, but tell us, Danielle, so from your perspective, why do you think women enjoy romantic comedies so much, or rom-coms? I mean, they tend to get lumped together in the category known as chick flicks. Although I guess technically the, the genre could extend to books and TV shows and such. But anyway, what do you think? Well, I think rom-coms tell really good stories that have a lot of emotional attachment to them as well, emotional development. So not only do you get like a good story and a good conflict, you have this element that feels very nurturing and at the same time it's fun, you're laughing, you're amused at it. A lot of rom-coms are very family-oriented, like they usually follow a family in some way and I, I think girls just gravitate toward that more. I think that makes sense because, I mean, 
say it's like in real life, the jobs men go towards tend to be very technical or task oriented. And when, again, stereotypically, women tend to go towards more relational jobs. And so I think, you know, that the rom-coms would fit in that same sort of dichotomy. Now, again, these are wide ranging stereotypes, but just, you know, percentage wise. Sure. Yeah. Like there certainly are some rom-coms that I would, you know, I had four sisters. And so it was just inevitable that I would wind up watching some of these, but it's not the sort of genre I tended to gravitate towards. But I think you said something, a good point, Danielle, that I, that I was thinking about this, that rom-coms are fun. They're usually lighter than like a serious romantic drama per se. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one way to get a whole family to enjoy them is that, you know, like the girls may have wanted to watch a full-blown romance and the only way to get the guys in the family to watch it would be the humor involved in a rom-com. Because mm, the, the, the full dramatic stuff is meaningful and such, but like sometimes the guys just want an escape. And honestly, sometimes the girls just want an escape, but it's there's a little bit more broader appeal there. Well, it seems like, at least from my experience, the, the humor tends to be very relatable. Mm. Because everyone's been in awkward situations at some point where they're like, why did I say or not say such and such a thing? Or why am I so weird? <laughs> or whatever the particular quirk of the characters is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now that we've, we've kind of identified some big picture, why do we enjoy some of this stuff? Let's maybe talk a little bit more about specifics. What do you both think are some key parts of the genre? Ooh. Well, are we talking like typical American rom-coms or are we like just romance in general? Let's start with the American rom-com and then we, we can go more broad after that. Okay. American rom-com would be the couple usually doesn't like each other at first there's some tension, but they're somehow drawn together, whether through circumstances or not. And they kind of like learn to like each other somehow. And then the spark happens and they move on. But then, as Nick was saying, there's always these ridiculous moments, uh, whether that's because of family or because of their own awkwardness through the story. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I'm reminded of a uh quote the film critic Roger Ebert said that uh, I'll paraphrase a little bit but he said basically in the history of movies you can never have a man and a woman start the movie at odds with each other and without the audience being and the audience will not be satisfied until they're totally and completely together in love with each other unless perhaps the movie is about Adolf Hitler and Eleanor Roosevelt (laughs) (laughs) you know actually that quote's interesting because it, it shows that we going to movies we want reconciliation we want this bridging the gap between the men and the women yeah and because i think there's a lot of tension just in the world in general between you know the battle of the sexes the thing that exists and we simultaneously know that like we're supposed to get along yeah i mean from very early on it's always boys against girls and the Mm -hmm. schoolyard games and sports and stuff and uh, we continue that rivalry for a long time but yeah at the same time there's this irresistible draw between Mm -hmm men and women. It is interesting to me, though, that description you gave, Danielle, you could also apply that to romantic comedic situations in action movies. Something older, like, say, Romancing the Stone. Do you remember that one? Yes. Yes. Um, Or, well, Crocodile Dundee is not really action. That's probably more comedy. That'd be a rom-com, though. Yeah. There's definitely aspects of it in there. No, it's just interesting. Like you can kind of use that formula, I think, in and supplant it in a couple of different other genres. I mean, there's you can say there's some romantic comedy shenanigans even in like the Iron Man movies with Tony and Pepper. Well, and it's interesting that that sort of basic setup can be very old too. I mean, a couple of years ago, I taught Much Ado About Nothing, and Beatrice and Benedict is basically they hate each other's guts and they'll never get married. And at the end, they're like, "Well, we might as well get married." <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's the best part of the play. I mean, like I had my the eighth graders who you know it's a weird grade to teach like this thing. They just thought it was I mean they just thought it was ridiculous and over top and hilarious. Did they? Did you just read the play or did you? Watch no, we the had to watch it to be the, the Emma Thompson and um yeah. yeah what's his name? Oh, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, they they just it's just wonderful. Yeah, great cinematography in that movie. Too, yes. By the way, I remember watching the beginning and the ending of that in a film class at some point. Um, really nice long shot at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, and I was thinking actually of that 
way because I was thinking what what makes a movie or a story different, like a rom-com versus a romantic drama. And I think it comes down to Shakespeare's point of like, if it's a tragedy, someone dies. And if it's a comedy, someone gets married in the end. Because it seems like we can never have something in between. It's either like (laughs) together and loving each other or they're dead. (laughs) Be the middle middle is unsatisfying. You're like, so they kind of like each other? What's the good of that? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Every now and then you you see one where like where they're trying to be okay. We won't be quite so stereotypical. We'll really wrestle with this, but they still wind up together at the end. I'm thinking of when Harry met Sally, which I don't know if you've ever seen Danielle. I don't think so. But it, it's a whole question about like can men and women actually just be friends without? Well, in that movie, there does the sex get in the way from a Christian perspective? Sex wouldn't really even be a factor. But there is that like how well can men and women? be friends without like falling in love, which it, in this story, they, the two characters wind up falling in love because it wouldn't be a complete romantic comedy without that. Right. Yeah. You know, we've been trying to focus on just romantic comedies versus romantic comedy action or romantic comedy mystery. And can you do those? Do you think there's something unique to the, the, the single romantic comedy or is it just that they spend all their time on that part as opposed to adding in other elements or is there something extra in a strictly romantic comedy hmm. you know I, I don't see it so much in movies but like in books you never see like I, I, I can't say that there's like a book that's just a romantic comedy it's like usually some sort of combination of all of them but I can think of like American movies that are strictly romantic comedy because they don't really have they're very fluffy okay yeah that makes sense so in order to make it work it seems like you have to just add a lot of fluff and just whatever because while it's why we want to maybe go to it, it's not, you have to hang it on something else a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Give us an example of a, maybe a novel that adds extra stuff. Ooh, I can only think of it kind of in the reverse way. Whereas like, to me, I can't have a good story without the romantic element to it. Cause then it just, it doesn't work. So like, um, in Lord of the Rings, I like zero in on the romantic relationship, even though it's like a tiny minuscule part of the story. <laughs> Interesting. So that's what you're looking for even in uh, in a genre like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Howl's Moving Castle, the book, um, is a very lighthearted comedy. I mean, it's, it's set in a fantasy world. But, you know, there's other elements going on besides just the romance. Mm-hmm. It's almost an afterthought. What would you call something like a Jane Austen book where, like... Pride and Prejudice strikes me as a book and a story that, from what I understand, has a lot of humor in it, but feels a little different from, at least as a as a complete story, from a rom-com movie. Is there because it's because there's more family drama or just more drama stuff in general? Yeah, I'd say when you read Pride and Prejudice, there's more humor than when you watch it. Mm. I would agree with that, having read it, yeah. Yeah, just some of the witty writing you see her being sarcastic a little bit more. Emma is another Jane Austen where what I would even, that might be the most, um, other people might disagree with me, but that seems to be the most rom-com because there's not a whole lot going on in Emma. It's just a lot of gossip, little family squabbles here and there that's humorous. Mm-hmm. You know, another um, older story that I feel fits into this is, this is more, this is a play originally, but The Importance of Being Earnest. Yeah. That is that is an old school rom-com because it's it's a completely ridiculous story. Mm-hmm. What's different about that from like the American rom-coms is I feel like that one, well, the women have a driving force because they have that business of like where they're trying to punish the the two men. But the, the men are also are the ones that are like causing shenanigans with their false identities and mm-hmm. things like that. Here's here's a question. Danielle, with rom-coms and the movie version of this, it seems to me like a lot of a feature that a lot of them have is kind of the quirky female protagonist. You're Sandra Bullock, you're Meg Ryan. I don't know if quirky is the right word or not. Sometimes they're more eccentric than that, but they're either alone or they have some particular thing that they're searching for. They're, they're in some ways the driving focus. And then the guy kind of gets swept along for the ride. Um, <laughs> At least that's one version of it. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me like the, the importance of being earnest might be like the counter to that 
Although, again, uh, the, but the women in that one also have their own things going on. No, I see. I see what you mean. Like, um, the, that story that is kind of like starts with the men and then the women are kind of introduced later as the interest. Mm-hmm. Whereas other movies usually start with the, the girl and her like, she's living this great life, but there's a part of her that's not yet complete. And that's when the guy enters or they hate each other and there's this conflict and resolution kind of thing. But. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's very with the times, though. Like, is that just kind of coming from the feminist movement and that's kind of a drive from there? So I'm trying to think of some rom-coms that like Cary Grant would be in or Mm. some of our favorite John Wayne movies, which has Catherine Hepburn. Is it? Well. (laughs) Or is it it the other one I'm thinking? The other redhead I'm thinking. Oh, wait. Now now I'm double checking myself. When you're talking about uh, John Wayne comedy, are you thinking of McClintock? Yes. Oh, Maureen O'Hara. Yeah. yeah. That's the one who that. Although McClintock is just is kind of a broad Western comedy in general. <laughs> I mean, yes, but them they they also co-star in The Quiet Man, which would be considered a rom com. Oh, really? You think so? Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of humorous parts to that, and it's about a romance. Maybe it's, it sides more on the the drama side, but it it's definitely funny. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So, but that is an interesting thing to compare the, the, the Cary Grant's rom-com to the, the nineties rom-com, which are, I guess, again, the Sandra Bullock, uh, Meg Ryan stuff that I was th- talking about earlier. Hmm. So let's see, where was, I'm trying to think what the, the Cary Grant rom-coms would be. Would you consider, um, bringing up baby one of those? I mean, that's a pretty zany kind of story or, um, arsenic on old lace. I don't know. That was really romantic. That's just broad comedy. Father Goose would be a, a ultimate rom com. Give us a story, but that one may not be as familiar to as many <laughs> listeners. Yeah, that one's different because Cary Grant is a bum. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's not suave. He's actually a drunk bum in the North or in the Pacific Ocean during the World War II, and he has to take care of the school teacher and her class of international girl, international students. And okay. it's just through a series of ridiculous events that they end up falling in love on this. With one of the teachers or uh, with the teacher. Cause they're stranded on an Island. Oh, uh, okay. I've probably seen it, but not a very long time ago. I'm a little bit more familiar with operation petticoat. Yep. That's another one. Yeah. <laughs> just, just different roles for the women and the whole story. Not that's, as that's focused the... about like on career or anything like that. Just kind of just on the setting. Yeah, I mean, I guess that one is the situ. It's more broad comedy because it takes it worth romance on the side. I would say, yeah. But it, it strikes me that some of these are kind of we talked earlier about like family sorts of situations. But I mean, there's some similarities with some of these movies with like sitcoms. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking of I Love Lucy a lot in this conversation because when we were talking about who directs the conflict and I love Lucy a lot of times it's Lucy who's doing something ridiculous to get famous or something but every now and then you have this episode where the men of the husbands are off doing you know Fred and um, Ricky are trying to prove something to the wives and the wives are trying to prove something to the husbands and at the end they all reconcile and have a good laugh and over each other's foibles I guess what I've been thinking just listen to all this and again you guys is uh at least the the breadth of time periods of rom coms way bra- uh, broader than mine is. I was just <laughs> I hit the nineties ones. That's about my outside of a few old musicals. Those are the ones you grew up with, with when you had sisters in the exactly, house. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, lots of two weeks notice and Runway Bride and anything with Hugh Grant and yeah. But I just find it interesting that you can have just pure romance. At least in like American movies, don't get that as much. Now books get more pure romance, mm. but. Even anything that tends to be at all funny tends to have some sort of romance in it. I think it's just so easy to get humor out of romance. Mm. I think there are so many misunderstandings and just culture clash when you get a man and woman together. And I just think it's such a natural sort of combination where romance shows up to have some sort of comedy. I think in some ways you have to work hard to not have some sort of comedy in romance. Uh-huh. I just I think that's just interesting. It's it, it kind of a uh, just a statement on the human condition, I guess. Okay, so there's an interesting question, Nick. Yeah. Give, given that, do you think that might actually be one part of why guys of a certain age don't get into romantic comedies? 
because we just see all that awkwardness of like, mm, I don't have feelings. And, uh. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, I, you got to remember, I, you know, my early films were basically romantic comedies. <laughs> so that was something I always kind of enjoyed playing with anyways. Because I, I, I kind of embraced my awkwardness and decided to channel into humor. Oh, that's one reason I wanted to go to college was the Taylor Trilogy. <laughs> that's awesome. What? Wait, explain. <laughs> It looks so cool. <laughs> you got a girl. For nice. <laughs> so I guess we should just mention, because we haven't mentioned Taylor Trilogy for a while on the podcast. For those who don't know, that's uh, a series of uh, student films, I guess, I was responsible for back when we were in college. Basically just mocking, <laughs> you know, romantic culture at our college and just that in general. Yeah. The, the first... The first film of the trilogy was uh, on Freshman Love, I think. Yeah, basically, yeah. And then the second one was DTR, the movie. Define the, yeah, define the relationship. And then the last one was on Senior Panic. Yep. I think we, we skipped a year in there at some point. I think it was like the junior year is unrepresented it, in it DTR. Just, I always felt like there should be like a spinoff novel about <laughs> uh, <laughs> about uh, your character's uh, junior year that we never got to see. <laughs> but funny thing about that, Nick, and we'll move on from this, but this year marks the 20th anniversary of Boy Chase Girl. I, I, I did not hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm happily married for almost 20 years, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that's worth it. Oh, there, there you go. There you go. I was thinking of that at some point in Jan- during January. I was like, oh, yeah, 20 years ago we were filming that because we filmed that during J-term, at least most of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, complete <laughs> side tangent. So the humor part of it, I've always found fascinating. I think those, when I write, uh, watch romantic comedies, that's the most fun for me is just the missteps and the uh, miscommunications and that sort of stuff. I think if, well, I've always been drawn to, probably because that's sort of my style anyways. Uh-huh. It just, it's, I can be like, oh, yes, that is how it works. You know, <laughs> haha. I can see that. I can see that. I'd be very curious if, if someone to do, and I'm sure someone has done some, like a, dissertation or something about the evolution of rom-coms over the years mm-hmm. comparing the like the Cary Grant movies of the 50s to the you know once we got into the sexual revolution what did rom-coms look like mm-hmm. um man it's been a long time do you remember Danielle do you remember seeing what's up doc yes with um Jimmy Stewart no, oh, no. Uh, with um Barbara Streisand yes. I don't remember who the guy is. I just remember it's Barbara Streisand and she's kind of, it's kind of a quirky thing. I think it's romantic. Yeah, because she winds up driving the guy nuts and they get together at the end anyway. That's a stretch. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, do you think it's too madcap and and not romantic enough? Okay. Okay. I don't remember it well enough. I did just read very recently, like two weeks ago, an article. I don't know where, it might have been on Vice or something. My pocket brought up. Um, <laughs> your pocket thing that my pocket thing that just gives me random things that people are reading. I'm like, people are reading that your pocket one, app app. Yes. Everything's an app now. Yeah. No, but talk about that. There's been a, sh- there's kind of a resurgence of rom-coms coming out. I don't know what that means, but like they were kind of dead for a while and that they tend to be focusing more on thirties and 40 year olds and not 20 year olds. Now I didn't, I did more scan the article, but again, that would be another addition to this kind of history of rom-coms that there, I think it does it has a tension, I think, between a certain structure that works and playing into the stereotypes of the time, mm. whatever those might be. What's going on in the current cultural zeitgeist? Yeah, like not not deeply, but you know, reflecting. Yeah, I mean, I, I hesitate to bring up this example, but I think last year they had there was one of the first majorly marketed gay rom-coms mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it bombed because yeah. the public is not actually as interested in that as liberal Hollywood would have you think. But that's an example of at least trying to feed into what they think the current zeitgeist is. Yeah. I remember you saying this, this is a while ago now, but I remember you saying modern family, which this more sitcom, not romantic yeah. comedy was also it had a lot of, of the same elements. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a cultural, but this is what a family looks like. Yeah. And moment. it reflects it very different. Like it has like three different, types of family in it and they're all very modern yeah oh, well danielle before we probably need to wrap this up soon but i do want to get to uh i know you have watched a lot of korean and a lot of asian 
TV and movies, and a lot of those tend to be more dramatic, at least from what I hear, you know, secondhand from you. But would you say that that uh, there's something more distinctive? This is where we can get more broad of, from just the American version. Um, what do you think uh, is distinctive about Asian romantic comedies? They have their own cliches and their own timing. But if you talk about, like, if you think that rom-coms have, like, not been as popular, well, let me tell you, they are have been just as popular for the past 10 years in the Asian drama sphere. They love their humor, their um, family drama, family humor, self-deprecating. Oh, one thing is really unique about their rom-coms is the male protagonist is usually does a lot of silly things. If in the more lighthearted ones, he will be in just as many awkward situations as the girl. So he's not as suave. Okay. But then he also has the suave moments, too, uh, that are, like, predictable. Because you have to have, like, certain scenes in almost every drama or certain patterns. Uh, are you mo- mostly talking about Korean dramas at this point? Or because you've seen, I know you, well, I don't know how mi- much Indian Indian films you've seen. Bollywood is a whole different (laughs) ballpark. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Three hours later. (laughs) They're actually usually three hours long. I don't know how they make it that long. Wow. Yeah. They like really long, really big stories. Okay. Uh, No, I'm talking more Chinese, Japanese, and Korean. Okay. Okay. But I like how they, in such an interesting culture, which has a lot of like, shame culture, a lot of honor. They just like to laugh at themselves and a lot of secondhand embarrassment situations. Interesting. I find interesting. Yeah, I would not. I mean, it makes sense when you say, well, like the first part, but if you were to tell me that an honor-based culture would really enjoy embarrassment-based humor, I'm not sure I would have thought of that, but it makes a certain kind of twisted sense. <laughs> yeah. And I also like it because it it's changing a little bit with the times, but it's a lot cleaner usually, like in um, language and sex and stuff like that. They're usually more clean and family-oriented. I think that's changing a bit. Netflix is picking up more edgy dramas, which is kind of sad because it's one reason I like to watch them, that they were so lighthearted and innocent. Mm-hmm. There was that uh, pasta series it was a series, it was a Korean romantic drama comedy series about opening up an Italian restaurant in Korea. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So am I characterizing that right, Danielle? Yeah. Would, yeah. Okay. Cause I thought I remember hearing about there were comedic elements in it, but I also remember either you or our other sister or my other sister, your sister, anyway, uh, Rachel saying that certain Korean dramas would be light for a while and then have the super sudden dark depressing end. So I don't know. That's why I was like, I, I don't know if our terms here are getting muddled or not. Yeah. Well, that's where the, like the whole, like, the, is it a comedy or is it a drama? Cause if it's a historical Korean drama, then you know, that someone's going to die or they're never going to be able to get together in the end. Like it's like, clockwork. <laughs> but if it's like, if it's a not historical, they end up usually getting married at the very end after like a two year two years apart and then they get thrown back together and they get married. Okay. Okay. I remember seeing a YouTube video that was poking fun at Korean dramas in the, uh, the idea that they were like sometimes Uber chased, like they'd be blushing at the very idea of holding hands kind of thing. Is that, is that still true? Um, some definitely it's changing, but you know how like in the old movies where like when they finally kissed, it was like a really, really big deal. Mm-hmm. And, like, you almost feel like yourself blushing because they're kissing finally. Well, that's kind of what it is in the Asian dramas where, like, the first kiss is a huge deal. And then, like, you're like, oh, my goodness, they kissed 12 episodes into the drama. <laughs> See, I think that's kind of cool. It re- it kind of reframes the, I guess, the joy and the, the intimacy that's supposed to be there versus this sort of modern, secular, like, ah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and often another element is like their families are included too. So like they often are dealing with my family appreciate this guy that I am now falling in love with. It's a big deal that they like the whole family has to be happy with the match. And I just like that element. And that's something else that you don't see, especially modern, more modern American stuff. It tends to be like they don't even hardly have families outside some best friend. 
versus like you can get something like big fat Greek wedding, then the family's involved. But that's also not American culture, really. So it's just an, in- yeah, that's just an interesting sort of um, window into different ways we view things. One more question, and then this will be more of a downer question, then we'll wrap it up with a lighter one. Okay. Do you think there are any pitfalls in romantic comedy when it comes to like escapism, the setting up unrealistic expectations? I mean, I think you could, well, I'll just ask, put that question out there first. Do you think there are any, is that a danger? Yes. But I actually, the humor usually helps offset that a little bit. Okay. When you have just like a straight romance movie, you think like your whole life is going to work out the way that you see it in a Hallmark movie. But when the humor's there, it usually reminds you like life gets messy real quick. And that relationships, like Nick was saying, there's just a lot of ups and downs and unknowns that kind of make it real. I like that. I think that's I think that's a good thought I'd never quite had before. Yeah. 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 That does. That makes a lot of sense because humor can diffuse things and take some of the like the swelled ideas out mm-hmm. of out of it. Yeah, humor, like we've talked about in other times, can put that pinprick in the ego, which we all need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. All right, well, I, given that, you you really brought out the upside to that. Um, but I'll go ahead and ask my upbeat question now then. So final take, what do you think, if we haven't said it already, what do you think is the the way that romantic comedies, is it, is it just fluff or is there something to it that can help us aspire to be better dates, better partners, better uh, humans, dads, humans? <laughs> <laughs> or is that, uh, is that placing it on too high of a pedestal? I think they show you the beauty of life and the ups and downs and they make you appreciate your relationships more that you currently have. All right. Short and sweet. I like it. Yeah. I concur. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we will wrap up story school with that. Do you want to uh, stick around for the rest of the podcast, Danielle, or do you have other, uh, do you have more teaching to do? Oh, I'll leave it to you guys, you pros. Storytelling (laughs) is uh, way harder than I ever thought it would be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us, Danielle. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm glad we got to hear your perspective on all this. All right. Thank you guys for having me. Continue enjoying your breakfast. All right. (laughs) Thanks a bunch. Yep. Thanks. And meanwhile, we'll uh, move on into soundtrack. So my soundtrack today, I uh, thinking about romance and comedy and video games, this is actually the first remix that came to mind. Um, It's a remix from Super Mario World. And it's called Super Mario Western Show. This is remixed by Hyadane. Hyadane? Okay. Um, you recognize the title of this now? I, well, the name, I think so. I don't know if I remember the song exactly. But. Well, it'll lose a little bit of the humor on the podcast forum because the, it's all in Japanese, mm-hmm. What the, the lyrics that they have to this. But I would recommend looking this up on either OC Remix or I think it's probably on YouTube. There's a translation of lyrics. And it's a funny little song of Mario and Bowser and their competing love for Princess Peach. And Princess Peach is having none of it. (laughs) (laughs) Which, having just recently finished the story for Super Mario Odyssey, feels very true to those characters. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So, But it it is still zany and fun, and I hope you enjoy.
folks enjoyed that uh, that wackiness all right but now we'll move on to some wackiness of our own or at least some uh, once upon a scene all right so last time we debuted once upon a scene and uh to be honest we are recording this episode only about a week after the last one came out so i don't know if anyone has correctly guessed the answer to that scene but that was an excerpt from Robin Hood, the classic Disney version of Robin Hood. I think Janelle had suggested that, and it's a it's a it's a classic movie. Which yeah. I think one reason why it's so popular among people of a certain age, or at least around here, mm-hmm. is that it's probably the most American version of Robin Hood. Yes, that there is. Like you've got a lot of characters who speak in Southern accents. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for what's supposed to be England, but. And Americans, I think, have always loved Robin Hood in general, just because down with the royalty. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But anyway, moving on, we've got a new dialogue clip for you, and here it is. Well, that's not like I'm enjoying it either, you know. Before you came into my life, I was capable of making all kinds of decisions. Now I can't. I'm addicted. I have to know what you think. What do you think? George, I think you're the most selfish human being on the planet. That's just silly. Have you met everyone on the planet? Goodbye, George. I don't have a shirt. All right, there you go. You could probably guess what genre of movie that was from. Or maybe it was a movie, maybe it was something else. Yeah, yeah. we could do TV shows. What genre of story was that from? Radio dramas. Yeah, you could probably guess what Commercials. But which one? (laughs) That's the question for you. You can email us at derailedtrainsofthoughts. Wait, is it derailedtrains? No, it's just derailedtrains at gmail.com. Correct. You can leave us a comment, if you wish, at derailedtrainsofthought.com. Um, under the comments for this episode, put in code so that yes. uh, other people won't understand what you're saying, uh, but we will somehow. Um, anyway, moving on from that nonsense, uh, let's go on to some more nonsense with. What if? Okay, Nick, so we talked about what we're going to do for this, but we haven't yes. really talked that much about how we're going to do it, I just realized. Yes, I feel like we should just come up with a script, blah, you know, be, we, there's beats. Yeah, like there's beats. Own. Yeah, we're, so we're going to come up, folks, we're going to make our own romantic comedy here. So well, maybe we'll just make a tradi- start with the traditional kind of the 90s, you got the quirky female protagonist mm-hmm. thrown into... Where she, do we need to say well, like where she works? Because sometimes these I, st- I think so. I think it's going to matter because she's she she's a she's a working woman of some sort. Right, right, right. Okay, so she she's a dental hygienist. <laughs> okay, okay, sure. Yeah, I don't, don't know. Think I know that one. So uh, I don't think it's been done. I no, mean, so. not that I know of. Yeah. Okay. So she's a dental hygienist. Is her romantic interest? Is it a patient? Is it her boss? Or is it like a rival? Hmm. Oh, yeah. They, they've got to start not liking each other. They somehow. have to start not liking each other. Okay. It could be your boss. That's, it seems, that seems a little iffy. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's someone who, like, accidentally bit her finger during a surgery. <laughs> or maybe it's even um, someone from, like, an opposing job. Maybe it's, like, a candy salesman. Oh, <laughs> okay. There you go. It's, like, it's a person, like, selling, like, the sh- most sugary drink possible to all the... Oh, yeah, there you go. Like, uh, he's selling, yeah. Swill. Like soda pop. <laughs> <laughs> but your, your, your Mountain Dew Your Mountain salesman. Dew. It's, it's a fake Mountain Dew. It's yeah, like, fake Mountain Dew. It's, like, uh... Cascade 
mist. <laughs> there you cascade mist. Uh, mist is, feels similar to serum mist. But... Okay, cascade um dew. No, that way. Uh, no. The cascade cascade bubbles. Cascade bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> cascade cascade uh, spring. Too, too much. Um cascade spring. Okay, I could I could go with that. Cascade spring. Have some cascade spring. It only has 150 grams of sugar. <laughs> okay. For 8 ounce mini. Now, okay, so is she an activist dental hygienist? Yeah, I think she has to be an activist. She's super into it. Like, yeah. So they. She's the sort of that like goes to schools and tries to like scare the children never to eat candy again. <laughs> yeah, there you go, there you go. And he's he's trying to to get the the contract for the new vending machines. In yeah, the schools. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is wonderful. So maybe they meet at they meet at the school at some point. And at, some, at some like school board meeting. Yeah. Well, or or even, maybe they even have their kids go to the same oh, school. Maybe there you go. They, they have they're like you know. You're either widows or widower kind of thing. And because I think the kids also have some sort of thing going on. Yeah, and so maybe they meet each other without at first realizing who the other person is. They're just meeting for like a parental function. Yeah, yeah. And then they somehow at some point they start talking about like, oh, can you believe they're trying to get more pop machines in our school? And the other guy's like, can you believe that, that someone's trying to not do that? And yeah. they're like, wait a minute. There you go. And then, and then, like, maybe it's some sort of function. Like, they're visiting school and there's some sort of like cafeteria scene, and it gets so angry. Like, there's food being thrown. You know, you gotta have some sort of <laughs> over the top reaction to each other. So they end up like covering spaghetti sauce and stuff at the end of this thing. Uh-huh. They stomp home. And the, the one, we need, she needs a name. Uh, yeah. Well, we haven't named either one of them. I know. Maybe. We probably should name them because that um, matters, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sally. Sally. Mm, Sally. Uh, Amy. I guess yeah, I already mentioned when Harry met Sally, so we've already done a Sally. Um, Amy, uh, trying to think of stereotypical. Yeah. Tiffany. Tiff- <laughs> no, that's for, uh, I don't is know. That, well, is that more 80 or is that more teenage? This feel like more teenage. A we teenage need something to name, like, yeah. It needs to be feminine, but just a smidge of like standoffishness. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chloe. Chloe? Okay. Yeah, let's do Chloe. Chloe? I love Chloe. Chloe, yeah. Okay. Okay. And the guy's name is like. Hmm. Stuart. Okay, yeah, I can see. I, I feel like that's been done. So yeah, like, but I don't know which movie. I don't know what it, it just feels like. One of those like, yeah, kind of proper, but kind of like I don't know if I like it or not. Name? What's what's that Hugh Jackman movie where he's like a time traveling guy? Oh yeah, he's well, he makes the he makes the elevator. Isn't his name yeah. Otis? Because that's what shows up on the. El- they named them Otis for some reason. Could be. LA. I remember like Hugh Jackman's like descendant. I was trying to remember if his name was Stuart. Oh, maybe. But anyway, that was I mean, an interesting movie. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, I don't know where I pulled that. What corner <laughs> I pulled work, that from Tim. my brain? <laughs> so okay. Okay. So, so we got Chloe and Stuart. We, we've got the first meet cute. Yeah. Meet that cute goes wrong. The ends ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Which should okay. Okay. So so what's gonna be? What's the? Now we got to ramp it up. Yeah. Well, there has to be some reason why these two keep crossing paths. I mean, do we get to the point where there's some sort of like she'd lead some sort of protest or some sort of, and then Stuart's got to be in with the like the school board and the principal and the administrators. Like uh-huh, they're like uh-huh. they're just buddies. Like she's all trying to say don't do it, and they're just like, yeah, we're going to do it. Yeah. Like, now we've all started smug them, and everything. We've started them so antagonistically. It's reminded me a lot of you've got mail. Are we going to do a sort of thing like that where they have some sort of secret communication and they don't realize who they're talking oh, to, sort of thing? Hmm. Or is that too derivative? I, well, I'm so I'm still kind of in my brain. I still have this sort of like parent trap vibe where you got the kids in school. Oh, okay, sure, 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 sure. So maybe the the kids really wants to get them together somehow, or maybe the kids are getting together, and so that's why maybe the kids are getting together. But the parents want to keep the kids apart. Oh, okay. Like there's a guy, and there's like a son and a daughter. Oh, that's different. Okay, so it's not like they want to be siblings. Like the kids are like literally romantically interested in each other themselves. Maybe or or well, that's going to be weird to get. If, if, well, that's if not, going, two, that's not going to work. Sets of, <laughs> that's like <laughs> I mean, yeah, it gets a little. Yeah, it gets a little dicey there. Um, <laughs> or maybe, I mean, or, that, or maybe they're maybe they're like I don't know. Why I'm pulling all this like student council and administrative stuff in. But maybe they're like trying to get this. Maybe they're maybe they're like they cause trouble to get like they're they're thick as thieves. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're just like riling it up. <laughs> so it's not so much that they're they really want to see their their parents get together. It's more like what will happen if if uh, they keep having the cross. Well, maybe they both think their parents are ridiculous. Like the, let's say the daughter of the dental hygienist thinks like 
mom, can I have some sort of... And she's like, eat your carrots. Okay. <laughs> okay. And the other okay, son's okay. like, I just want some broccoli, dad. And <laughs> <laughs> so both of them like, we got to... We got to find an equilibrium yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're not mean to set them up, but they they keep pushing them. Pushing and to, yeah. to try to learn each other's side. This is a weird, like... This is a weird story, but I kind of like it. There's a lot of undercurrents of like different themes going on. <laughs> the like, it's not quite as fluffy as it should be. <laughs> <laughs> so now they they got to somehow start connecting. Yeah, usually in, in a unique setting. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. Maybe they accidentally get locked in the school together at some point. Oh, okay. Like I, I'm trying to figure out. Like they they were arguing with each other like at after a school board meeting yeah. for so long everything shut down everything and shut in. down and, and they didn't even realize that they got locked in and somehow. and somehow they don't have their cell phones right yeah so they're like trying to avoid the motion sensors and all the <laughs> alarm stuff and this is an entire ridiculous scene <laughs> i like it they're trying not to get arrested but they're also trying to get out and maybe like i don't know at some point he offers her some sugar treat to just to keep her mm. blood sugar off i don't know <laughs> <laughs> something wonky with this setup. <laughs> well, yeah, so they start connecting, and they, they they talk about their children, and they're like... And the, how, how difficult it is to be a parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I, I can see that. And then maybe there's some sort of dance they have to chaperone for the finale. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> of course it does. Uh, it's, well, this is a, a parent uh, rom-com that is apparently all taking place at a school. Like, not exactly the most romantic location. No, uh, for no it's not. It's not. <laughs> the theme of the dance is Charlie and Chocolate Factory. <laughs> <laughs> There's no romance. How do you do that? It just is very cool. It's, it's a setting. You just have lots of. <laughs> I, I feel like the, I feel like Chloe would be very disgruntled at like all this candy. What's going on here? <laughs> Feel oh. like she's losing the debate. That she is losing the debate. So yeah, what's got to happen is that? Well, at some point, I guess right before the dance thing, I think Stewart's got to come in with a cavity. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just so they have another, and she's just grinding in his teeth. <laughs> all right, just taking out the pain, taking out the argument. My <laughs> drilling is like. You better listen to me. There's some great set pieces in this movie. For sure. The rest of it sure. don't make a lick of sense, but. <laughs> I mean, you know, when my dad was a dentist, he had people often telling him, like, why don't dentists advocate people eating candy more? It seems like that'd be a great boon for uh, <laughs> a revenue here when people <laughs> go out and get cavities. So maybe that's kind of the resolution to this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> She kind of relents. It's like, you know what? Okay, it is good for business. I mean, I am a dental hygienist, so if if you want to mess up your teeth, all right, come to me. Well, I just feel like it should be balanced. He should be like, yeah, we're kind of, we're, we're over the blood. top. Yeah. And she's like, you know what? There is some fun, because normally it's about, it seems like often the female protagonist has to loosen up somehow. Mm. They're too tight. Uh-huh. They have to loosen up. So she's like, okay, happen, yeah. let's, ha- let's have some punch. Sure, you know. sure. <laughs> Not realizing it's been spiked with a lot of... Uh, of Cascade Spring. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yes, he, he's also learned his lesson and is dialing back because of his own cavity problems. And, and he just realized that, yeah, there, there's more to life than the, the instantaneous hit. Maybe, maybe his whole life's just sort of like the oh. next big. So it's not just the sugar, it's the caffeine rush that he's it's just er, like He's yeah. always that, and like she's just don't do anything outside the rhythm, you know, the routine. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah I okay. can see that. So Opposites the track sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So what's the name of this? Yeah, this, I was just trying to think of movie. a good pun to go with this. Um... Give me some sugar. Uh, <laughs> sugar daddy. Uh, <laughs> so our last episode was all about food. Apparently we can't get away from it this episode. We talked about a pasta sitcom and a... And a sugary, sugary sweet romance. Yep. I'm trying to figure out... Candy hearts. Candy hearts. I'm trying to figure out if there's a way to get teeth in there. Teeth. Yeah. Um, Rotten teeth. Uh, Rotten teeth. <laughs> um... Chew on this. Sweet enamel. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Holly, we'll just call this up. We'll write this up for you. It's, yeah, there you go. There you go. It's mint. <laughs> All right, should we try another one of these? Um, yeah, we'll keep it a little shorter. Okay. Here. Okay. You, I gave, I gave this up. Do we still do this whole 90s version? Or do we try a different style? Let's try something different. Yeah. Um, what about a TV show? Okay. 
I mean, the tr- the trick with it, I feel like any ongoing story that's a romantic comedy is how long do you, you hold that? Going, yeah, hold the tension. Hold the the tension. Yeah. But there was one show that Zach always used to watch. What was it? You own you the lawyer who worked at a bowling alley. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting setup. And I have that no was, idea. what was it called? It was pretty good, but there was the whole he was in love with his. He had moved back. And he was in love with his girl, and they, there was constant tension. How long ago was it? Oh. Probably, I'm going to say late 90s, early 2000 now. Uh, okay. But yeah, okay. I could be wrong. My dating is horrible, but no pun okay. intended. Man, I mean, that that's a great random or unique setup, I guess. Yeah. So let's let's make the guy the... Because for the TV show, it seems like a lot of times it's the guy who's like in love with the It does girl. happen. It seems like in, in Castle, he was, he was definitely interested in her before she was interested mm-hmm. in him. I mean... The office Jim was interested in Pam. Oh, was he? Before, I think okay. I think so from my memory. You know, sorry everyone who watched The Office ten times a year. Me, I, I've never finished a single season. I early on is like the awkward humor is just too much. Like season this is one, not really a show. Oh, for see, me. season one is so painful. It gets better after that. Season one is too painful. Yeah, you can skip that. Yeah. Anyways, I, also at this point, I think I'm very much in the camp of like this is too popular. I'm not gonna watch. Yeah, I'm not gonna take my time <laughs> watch. I'll just look at the memes. Okay, so let's let's what kind of kind of off kilter guy could we have? Um, What's a good job? For some reason, the first the first occupation that came to mind is lumberjack. Lumberjack, okay. So, uh, so okay, lumberjack. So, so, are we? Maybe we have like what if we, there's this really burly, awkward lumberjack that doesn't know how to talk with women. So he's just very silent. He, he's like um, Massimo from Luca. He's that sure? The, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet. Have you seen Luca yet? I know I need to. Oh wow, Tim, I can't talk to you. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he's burly, burly lumberjack. Now, here's the thing: what makes him endearing, though? Um, he's, he's got to kind of have that like puppy dog endearingness too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe he's man. This... At least it's gonna be comedy. If you're gonna just be pure romance, he's burly. He doesn't talk much and like takes care of animals, and then you're set. <laughs> yeah, but there's not quite the humor there. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because I'm my initial thought is like, there's no reason why this guy wouldn't be. Because uh, I was thinking like he has to have a hard time finding romance somehow mm-hmm. but a big burly sweetheart that's not gonna be too hard so maybe maybe, he's, maybe he needs two jobs maybe a lumberjack and something else sometimes they have the like the weird oh yeah sure 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 and band director <laughs> like a bluegrass kind of band or uh what do they say like high school marching band <laughs> okay oh okay that's kind of like is his part-time job uh-huh uh-huh i don't know why are we going back to the school? i don't know i'm a teacher now that's all i can think of <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go get out of the school. Get out of the school. Okay. Um, well, maybe he's a, a hippie lumberjack. Maybe he works at a coffee shop. Okay. I okay, mean, coffee shops are pretty common. I mean, this, I feel like we're going in a very hallmark direction here. That's true. How do we keep from being too hallmark? I mean, not as bad, but yeah. Or how about how about lumberjack and um, lumberjack detective? Lumberjack. Maybe yeah. Let's do lumberjack detective. Like, uh, is a very small town up in. The boonies of Montana or something or yeah. Oregon, yeah. Um, and so it's a small town, but they have this one detective guy, and he's so he's kind of rough around the edges. Tends to be a little bit no nonsense because he has to be as a detective. But like a lot of detectives, they have a little, they have a little quirk. They have a little like Columbo's kind of strange, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sherlock yeah. Holmes a little strange. You got this little offness. So what what is his sort of? Hmm. I mean, does he have no filter? And he just says stuff. I mean, something that quirk would be both the thing that keeps him from connecting and what makes him lovable simultaneously. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I, f- I feel like maybe he's a little he's a little socially distant, maybe because, okay. because he spends so much time and he has spent so much time in the woods or like doing paperwork that people just kind of assume that he doesn't know what he's talking about. But he is it sort of thing like he'll just he'll intrude in conversation and like completely misread it. Hmm. Like, he'll just start talking, like, everyone's talking about this, and he'll just, like, kill the vibe wherever he goes in, but, like, not purposely, he just doesn't read that could be. the room at like, all? Like, maybe, or maybe because he's he's so, like, a couple steps ahead on his own mental track, yeah. that he'll ask a question that no one's asking yet, and mm-hmm. they'll be like, what are you talking about? Yeah, okay. And But it's something that's vitally important to his understanding of the But he's just always case. off from whatever else, everyone else in, the, in their, like, small town, gossipy world, and he's just... Yeah, he's like the strong, silent monk. Okay. Um, if you ever you, you yeah. know the show, uh, yeah, I've seen a little bit. Oh, what's have you seen the he, the sheriff in Wyoming? That show, what's that called? I'm not sure. Uh, Logan, no, it's called. 
Is it like an AMC show or like a cable? I don't. It probably was. Wait, Longmire. Longmire. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen Longmire? I've. I might have it, seen an episode or two. It's of not. It. It's not so much a comedy, but he had that sort of gruff sort. Yeah, of. yeah. Yeah. But you can push it a little farther, so it's more funny. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. 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 It'd be a very. You'd want to have someone writing it who really understood that kind of character. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of like rural. Rule like he's lacking some so, sort of social graces, but he's no dummy. He's no dummy. Yeah, it's almost like his brain works too fast in some ways and too slow in others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that. Okay. So what what sort of woman would be his catch? Yeah, and maybe he's not actually the 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 driving force in this romance. Maybe she's intrigued by him. That's true. Or and there's some intrigue. There's, maybe they're both ways, but they don't both don't catch it. Yeah, yeah. Or they they don't like they'll have some chemistry, but then one kind of doesn't. They don't and obviously, she's on. got to be involved in some with some other guy somehow, mm, probably, or if not, or something's distracting her. Yeah. So, so who is she then? Hmm. Because these things are always like where you work. Because it's got to be a place that he will end up. And that was a small town, but a place he'll end up passing her a lot. Yeah, crossing paths. Yeah. I mean, she. I mean, you could do the traditional like she's a police officer, so they cross a lot, but it's a little boring. Yeah, a little simple. Um, she owns the only grocery store in town. Oh, that could be that could work. Yeah, because I wasn't liking my first things. I was I wasn't liking that much, like a barkeep or yeah. a reporter. Those have been done all over the yeah. place. But the, the owner of a gr- local grocery store, she probably hears a lot of people are always in and out. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like the bar, but it's not because <laughs> but not because more homey. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So she's the owner then, right? Yeah, and I think you could have some funny scenes and like because. Maybe she runs a lot of it herself. I mean, you could play this whole thing like it's like a one man show sort of thing. So like uh-huh. she's in the you know the meat and deli section cutting something up when he comes one time, and another time she's packing, another time she's like just throwing out old. Fr- you know, you could just make it this ongoing. Nice. Yeah, I like it. At the very least, we have two colorful characters, and you and- could you would have to get a lot more of them. Though those two would get get you going, and then you'd have to have your. Probably an actual police officer who's just like dumb as rocks. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that he's always like he, one step ahead of one him. One step ahead of him. Yeah. But they like hate it. each other or something like that. <laughs> or not hate, but like but like it, there's kind of a grudge from the police officer because he's like sure, he sure. knows he's kind of behind, but Yeah, yeah. He's he kind of begrudging, like, yeah, he he yeah, I don't know. Again. How, I don't know how he did that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, I can go with that. That works. So there's there's some ideas for you, Hollywood, as usual. Uh, hope you hope you folks enjoyed some of those. And yes. If you would like to write them, they're free of charge. Yes. It would be fascinating to hear someone uh, like really develop one of our crazy what if ideas a little more deeply. Sometime. We'll just have to make an audio drama of the of the lumberjack detective. Sure, sure. One of these days. Yeah, we need a name like getting to the root of the problem or I don't know. <laughs> uh he's not a gardener branch out I don't know. <laughs> uh, branching out axe grind <laughs> <laughs> these are the these are the name of the episodes uh-huh. like yeah episode one an axe grind yeah, yeah episode pretty, two pretty much pretty much pruning was, the bush I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come up with some, if there was any kind of pun I can use timber with but <laughs> It just occurred to me, like, why did they yell timber? Like, when because it's, it's a tree, you know, timber. Like timber's coming down. Timbers, yeah. like, why not just yell tree? <laughs> Didn't sound as cool. I guess. Anyway, that's okay. a complete side thing. Anyways, uh, thank you all for putting up with our what if, <laughs> <laughs> and hope you enjoyed. Remember, if you would like to listen to more of our what ifs, if you visit our website derailedtrainsofthought.com, um, there's a nice little tab on the top of the derailed trains page. All of our podcasts are there, of course. Derailed Trains of Thoughts, The Weekly Hijack. Let's finally watch this. But if you go to the Derailed Trains of Thought page, there's a tab near the top that uh, lists all of our segments. If you want to hear more crazy what-ifs, you can just click there. And, and there's, a, there's some crazy what-ifs. Yes, right. It'll bring up all the episodes that have what-ifs in them. So check that out. Uh, also, if they want to follow us on social media, how can they do that, Nick? Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook. You can email us at derailedtrains at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Our Twitter handle is derailed underscore trains. trains. Correct. All right. Uh, you can go to TikTok and get off it right away. But why are you in TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. All right, nigga. Do you have a soundtrack for us? That's a non-endorsement of TikTok. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so for no good reason, as soon as I remember doing rom-com, we only really tackled romance once, way back, of any sort. Mm. I just remembered that I used to love this song called Love Hurts. I'm like, have we done this one? We have not. So this is from Sonic the Hedgehog. It is a remix called Love Hurts. It's remixed by DJ Pretzel, and it's just funky and fun. DJ Pretzel, one of the founders of OC Remix. And, you know, romantic comedies, at some point, the love hurts, and then it gets, they get over it. They laugh. But yeah, it's this is a fun song. It is a very groovy song, and this is a classic. It is a classic. You know, fun fact, Nick, or maybe not so fun, I noticed looking at this on the website, this remix was posted in 2002, meaning that there's been more time since this remix is posted to now than there was in between when the original Sonic came out and this remix came out. <sighs> Because Sonic the Hedgehog. Point these things out. Why do you keep doing this? Sonic the Hedgehog came out in 1991. The game was 10 years old when this remix came out. Now this remix is 20 20 years years old. old. Time just keeps moving for some reason. It it does. It's it's, it's a very weird thing. But anyway, All all right. Well, let's let's get out here and let's go have a good meal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very noisy atmosphere here, but I'm sure they have good food. Hopefully, it's not all swimming in mayonnaise. Well, we'll have to see. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, folks, for uh, listening. Until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye-bye.